The mission is your marching orders for the year. The mission is who do we need to be this year? How do we need to show up as a team? And who are we showing up for? This is yeah. why every year you want to recast that mission and ask this question of who are we for? You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. I am Jill Giovanazzo, and I'm here with my fellow co-host, as usual, Brianne Dick. Hey, Brianne, how's it going? It is going good. It was so funny when we opened up the notes for what we were going to be talking about on this episode, because as I was skimming through, I realized, hey, isn't this the exact conversation we're having in our team <laughs> Slack right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is funny. It's the synchronicity of it, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's <laughs> This season is all about culture and building your values into your business. And essentially, once you've got the foundation laid and you've got your scalable model operations and you've got the start of a scalable culture, like where do you go from there? And I think this is just such good evidence that like these culture conversations never stop. They don't and they can't because culture life keeps going. Yeah. And if you don't keep talking about culture, you're not going to stick along and keep moving along with industry, with life, with changes, you, your team, your business, your clients, yeah. you'll get stagnant and you can't have that. And that's what we talked about last time, right? Is this idea that you need to keep looking at how the values are being expressed through the business, because if you're not intentional and conscious about that, then you get culture by default rather than culture by design. And the the thing I love about our topic this week is how it's diving in deeper on that exact concept and taking it and extending it a little bit further about taking those values, taking that culture and making better decisions about the clients that you're attracting. Yeah. And as collaborators, when you're projecting your values, how that works in alignment with those clients and not just attracting them, but having them continuing throughout their lifespan with you. This is the conversation that we're having within our team now. And it's the classic question of who are you for? And we've been taught in online business for sure, but this whole idea that you need to be like really narrow and really specific about who you're for, what problem you solve and that sort of thing. And when your business is starting and even up to, I'd say, that first million dollar mark, right? Michael Masterson calls it the the first profitable sale at your million dollar mark. I've also heard it called like when you've got out of initial traction. But the idea is that there comes a point at which you may want to consider opening up from that very narrow definition about who you serve because yes, you got market penetration, you made it to that initial traction point by focusing on a very small portion of the market. But if there's only a total market size of a few hundred or a few thousand people, eventually you tap that out. And so the question and the tension, I think, that really comes into play and why this is a continual conversation that you have to have is what do our values say won't change about who we are for and what do our values say will change 
or can change and be broadened as we go forward. Yeah. And it's interesting because for me, I don't even think about what can change so much as how can the values that we have resonate with a larger audience. Mm -hmm. And that's that little bit of a sideways twist on it, but there's that it's not that you're necessarily changing the intrinsic values of the business or even the market that you were calling in initially. You're just expanding how the reach actually goes out. Yeah. And I think where this becomes important, as you said, Jill, is it's about allowing the market to see themselves and where they're at through you. And so for our roundtable discussion that we had, we were talking about this idea of who do you learn from? Who do you buy from? Who do you look to to collaborate with or to be a client of? What's that buyer experience? What are you looking for in that? And I loved what Tyler McCall said. Now, if you don't know Tyler, he's got an amazing podcast, which is the online business show. At least that's what it used to be called. He may have rebranded. Now I'm second guessing myself, but Tyler's awesome. And he He's really interested in this conversation about what can online business look like. I find it interesting kind of being at this stage in business and also just in the world of looking for businesses to partner with, looking for for service providers in my own business, looking for educators to learn from. And what I tend to really look for now is transparency and integrity. I fear that we're in an interesting place not just in entrepreneurship but also as a society where it's very easy for people to state what their values are it's it can prove very difficult for those values to be played out or lived out in their businesses and i would much rather work with someone who is imperfectly working toward implementing and and living into their values as an entrepreneur or a creator and is honest about where they're getting it wrong and where they're fumbling and where it feels difficult than someone who has the values plastered on their website yet when you dig a little bit and learn behind the scenes you speak to previous clients you hear from previous team members you look at maybe who they collaborate with who they promote who they're learning from you see the values aren't actually being uh, lived out there's not that integrity there yeah exactly and like how many times have you heard in the business building business people saying, oh, just mimic the aspirational value statements from large companies and and you're fine, yeah. right? That's as much as you need to put into it. You don't need to put any more thought into yeah, it. Yeah, go find a and list of values <sighs> words, pick from the list, choose the ones that sound good. Honestly, I remember doing a similar exercise back when I was still in corporate, we were going through a rebranding and they had like, just give us words. What, what values do you want to see? Do you think that we embody? And it's like, no, you're yeah. giving me a great big list of words and I'm just going to choose. We talked a little bit about this yesterday and Tyler talks about it really well about the people who are, even if it's imperfect, they're working towards actually living those values and implementing those values and acting in alignment with those values day in and day out. And when you have it, number one, to do that, you have to be really clear about what those values are. But when you do that in such a way, you can the world will help you focus in mm-hmm. on that. You'll start to get feedback. You'll start to get resonance from your people. And 
It's interesting, actually. I had I didn't tell you about this, Brie. I was doing some trolling on the internet the other day, and there was a report I was seeing about how the market has been changing. And I don't remember the specific numbers, but a significant portion of people are now starting to look towards and buy from purpose-driven businesses. Mm-hmm. And how they're moving away from like the retail chains and and the things that, that don't have that kind of purpose-driven mindset. Mm-hmm. And you can't be purpose-driven if you don't act in alignment with that purpose, with that value, with that culture. Yeah. I'm thinking back to season one, episode four, when we dug into the idea of the core offer and and what we really emphasized is that before you can decide what your core offer is, you need to know what your purpose, vision, and mission is. And thinking again about the conversation that we were having with our team this morning, going back to that mission statement is, yes, our mission may eventually evolve that we're going to be for a different group of people. But for right now, our mission says that we have not yet finished the work of serving the progressive entrepreneurs and that we have more work to do there. And as you're saying, Jill, by still choosing to be intentional about speaking to people who are identifying as progressive, identifying as anti-racist, wanting to build more equity and justice into their business, we are speaking to people who are actively looking for that. And that's what Tyler's saying, right? Now, I'm not saying that those are the only people that we will ever work with. Like five years from now, we might be in a different situation. Heck, five months from now, a year from now, we might be in a different situation. But the mission as it states right now says that those are the people who will benefit most from our work. What's fascinating to me is there's this kind of push-pull in the industry about the, the niche selling and this idea of when you're ready to expand and create the new offer, talk to the new audience about how the clients that you're trying to attract, if anyone's willing to spend the money on your product and the service, they should be fair game, right? When your clients are not in alignment with the same purpose, the same culture, the same values that you have, you actually, in my experience and, and watching through our client size, they actually have a bit of attention there. And mm-hmm. I think Erica Corday in our roundtable did a really great job of talking about this. Erica has spent, if you don't know her, she spent over 20 years in the beauty industry and is currently working as a consultant, helping other companies work through issues related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And she's really, really alert when it comes to alignment. If it's a values misalignment, for me, like that's a hard no. If people show up with urgency or this hustle of like, I need to get in now. I need to talk to you right now. And I'm like, mm, this is not going to work because if this is how this starts, this is likely how this is going to continue. I don't work that way. So that type of thing to me is a signal that I think it's at some points in my life, I would have been like, it's okay, I can ignore it. I'll just take the client. I want the money. Insert reason here. And now I just won't anymore because I've learned the hard way that when values are misaligned, it doesn't work out well. I'm not able to get you what you need because you're not able to show up in the way that facilitates the type of outcomes that you're telling me that you're here for and that I really hope to get for you. And so... If, again, if that hustle is there, if that urgency is there, which are both tools of white supremacy, if you are not able to make time 
in order to put in the effort if you are not willing to be transparent and vulnerable and gentle with yourself with the process and you're simply like I need to get it done now and it's a metric then it's a no and you can feel when it doesn't work because those types of things do not facilitate the types of outcomes that I want to get from my clients or that clients that are a good values alignment are able to get when they work with me. So much goodness there. And I so appreciate Erica's perspective because her work is in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion. She is a woman of color. She's coming at this from a perspective that I cannot as a white woman have. And this, she talks about how like that idea of hustling, the urgency, the need to be growing revenue, all of these things, and how that is like a tool of white supremacy. And on the flip side of that, there's also this argument, which is that saying like this attitude of I know what's best for you. I'm only going to take clients who fit this very narrow profile. That can also be seen as a patriarchal power dynamic. And so we've got all of these systems, right? All of the systemic injustice, which are informing the worldview that we're trying to figure out how to run a business in. And at the end of the day, the only way I think that you can suss that out and say, are we willing to pursue revenue and take some maybe less good value fits versus are we 100% about value fits and maybe at that cost of revenue? The answer to that, guess what, is in your values. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but the answer to that being in the values and then you actually acting on that answer is you being in alignment Mm -hmm. with your values. And don't get me wrong. Stop, Jill. Back up for a second. Injustices, like the injustice and the inequities that are in these systemic racism pieces absolutely are horrendous. That said, there are certain circumstances where Yes, it's okay to have two different businesses with two different value sets. Yeah. It's okay. I think a good example that I've heard is you can have just as equally a business that prioritizes speed over quality, and you could have a business that values quality over speed. Or to put yes. it in the context where you're going, you could have a business equally that values serving a lot of people at a less deep level. And equally, you could have a business that's about serving way fewer people at a much deeper level. And neither of those things are right or wrong. Yes, exactly. But the other thing too here, and I just want to flag this, because we've been talking about clients, mm-hmm. right? We've been talking about bringing in people who are going to be helping us to generate revenue. But the other side of the coin when it comes to calling in like-minded individuals, aligned people, is when it comes to hiring for a team. Mm -hmm. I do not mean they think exactly like I do, because we don't want that. We want people that think differently than we do, right? If you want to talk about that, we've had so many Facebook Lives, and we might have even talked about it in some of the earlier episodes about don't clone yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely lots of podcast episodes on the myth of cloning yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So don't clone yourself, but you still want someone to come into the team that is a culture fit Mm -hmm. and you living your values, you 
putting those values out there, not just in your marketing, but in your hiring process mm-hmm. is going to do you way more good than just following the standard templates. And what comes up for me as we're talking about this, Tyler used the word integrity and transparency. Erica was talking about values alignment or misalignment. And it's actually impossible for your values and your actions to be misaligned. By that, I mean your true values, right? Your stated values can be whatever you say they are, (laughs) right? That's the performative potential side. But what you say your values are and what your values actually are, like you will always act with what your real values are. Your actions always show your real values. And that's also why I think it's important to realize that your values personally and as a business are not static, right? You can have a set of values that represents where you are today. But as you learn, as you grow, as you encounter new ideas, as you have different life experiences, those values can shift on the personal side. And similarly for a business, as you bring in more voices, as you engage with more people, whether it's clients, collaborators, team members, or just you as the founder and you have your own shifts, you'll start to notice that there's different values being acted upon. And so it's a bit of a push-pull around what our values actually are, aka what's being demonstrated, and what we want our values to be, what we want to be demonstrating, and consistently being the, bringing those things back together to a point where we're steering this ship in the direction that overall aligns with our purpose, our vision, and our mission, which in turn are informed by the values. And Autumn Whit Boyd, who you may remember from season two, she's an attorney that specializes in online business. She spoke about this really specifically in our roundtable. I think I always had values, but I wasn't talking about them. And so we were very bland and it looked like we would be a good fit for anybody. And I think I was really afraid to be too outward facing on some of my values because I didn't want to scare anybody away. But it turns out that is a recipe for getting people that you're not aligned with and that's no fun to work with. So for us, putting our values at the front of things now, we talk about them all the time. They're on our website. I talk about them in sales calls. I talk about them in appearances like this. If somebody's looking for a bulldog, that's not us. We don't do things that are sketchy. (laughs) We really, one of our values like in our top five is that we use honey, not a hammer. Like I think you get more bees with honey. I am not gonna come in and crash and burn. And so if there's a potential client that's looking for that, it's never going to work. So that what that has led to for us is we love our clients and they are so fun to work with and it's just easy and smooth and we don't have a lot of, you hear people talking about client nightmares or they're so difficult or demanding and we don't really have that anymore. So here's a really good example of the, what works for values for one type of business won't work for another in terms of this client attraction thing that we're talking about. Because Autumn very clearly said, we're not going to be a bulldog, right? We're not going to be bulldog lawyers. And for some clients, that's a perfect fit. That's but exactly there are what they people, want. Yeah, there are people out there who want a bulldog lawyer. 
They want the lawyer who's going to be like a dog after a bone, who's just in there, who's got that like that particular energy. That's what they're looking for. And so it's not about is this right or is this wrong? It's about how are you showing up and what energy are you bringing? And as you said earlier, Jill, it's not just about the clients, right? It's about the team and the people you collaborate with, the people you surround yourself with. And Autumn spoke about that as well. Since we have put that more at the front of our process, now I include them in our job posts. And it has become, now we have a team of like-minded people. They're not all exactly like me, of course, which is not what you want. We have diversity, but it has attracted the kind of people who are bringing different perspectives, but still with an open-mindedness that also now our clients get to experience. So it's just been win-win all around. Awesome. In the sense that going back to your comment, expanding, on autumn and the bulldogishness, right? If you have, there's bulldog lawyers out there. If autumn hadn't put her values in a hiring post, she could find a bulldog lawyer who wants to work for a bulldog type team. I don't have anything against bulldogs, by the way. <laughs> Go bulldogs. That was actually our, our high school team mascot. Side note. Um, <laughs> We were the Rams. We lived across town. And it was always the Rams versus the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, she could have found, like someone could have approached her as a Bulldog lawyer looking for that kind of firm, gotten in and been like, what the heck? Yeah. Some people will stick it out and some people will just leave. Yeah. Neither of which are great options. And to take this back to where we started this conversation, this can be something that you can intentionally build as your culture to start. And it can be something that you intentionally change as you grow, right? You could start by saying, no bulldog lawyer is here. But say that down the road, Autumn feels as though she's capped out the number of non-bulldog lawyer seeking clients out there that she wants to be serving. <laughs> and But she wants to keep growing. She wants to keep growing. She believes in the value that she's doing. And she thinks that there would be an opportunity to do that in a way that would still be, keyword, in integrity, right? Going back to mm -hmm. Tyler's point. But maybe she makes that choice down the road to say, in order to work with some more of those bulldog seeking clients, I'm going to find a lawyer who brings a little bit more of that energy. And she could choose to do that and she could choose not to do that. And that's why this question of who are you for is one that you have to keep exploring, not just from a marketing perspective, not just from a, let's keep doing the ideal client avatar exercise thing. Oh God, <laughs> but sorry. It's just one of those things that everyone points back to that and it's no, no, stop. Just yeah. Well, and, and this is where it comes into the communications rhythm. We don't want to be changing who are we for every week or every month or every six months, even every year necessarily. Every year. Right? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not just that, it's also about with the communications rhythm, right? Once you have those people in specifically into your team, not everyone is going to have the same personal values as the business, but the communications rhythm is how you ask them to act in alignment with the values of the business. Because the, the people that come in, they're not necessarily going to have the same personal values, but they should resonate with the values of the business. Same thing with your clients. Yeah. That means they should be easily able to make decisions based on those values. Sometimes they just need to understand what you mean by them. And that's part of onboarding. Yeah, that's part of onboarding. That's part of culture conversations. 
And it's also why when we do our annual strategy, right? Annual planning. Some people call it, we call it annual strategy. Once a year, you're getting together and you're looking at what are we going to do for the year? What's the priority, et cetera. That part of the communications rhythm always starts with a, hey, let's check in with our purpose, vision, mission, and values. Does this still reflect, especially the mission? right? Like the purpose you don't want to change. The purpose is like the reason the business is there. It's like the legacy. Maybe it'll change like by one degree, but you're not going to replace it. Usually when you're just getting clear on it, when you're honing in on it, you might shift it a little bit. Once you've got that purpose, it's like the North Star for the business. The North Star hopefully isn't going to move. We want to continue to be able to navigate based on it. The vision We want it to be something that we can accomplish, but it might take five or 10 or 20 years to be able to make that happen. So the vision, we want to be making sure, like, how are we doing and accomplishing this vision? But the mission is your marching orders for the year. The mission is who do we need to be this year? How do we need to show up as a team? And who are we showing up for as a team, right? So this is why every year you want to recast that mission and ask this question of who are we for? I often think of the mission when I'm talking to clients about the mission in annual planning is to think of it from the perspective of what's the next big step that the company needs to take in order to reach our vision. Have we fully made that step? Great. Let's make a new step. Let's find out what is the next step. If we haven't, then maybe we need to tweak it a little bit and that's okay. Yeah. It's also okay if you don't reach it in a year. Yeah. A mission usually is like one to three year marching orders that this is who we need to be every day to make progress. And it can shift in terms of the way I like to describe a mission is it's we're the best at what we do for the people we do it for. And any one of those can shift by degrees once you feel like you've accomplished the previous mission. Okay, we've become the best at what we do for this particular group of people. Now we can shift one of those and that's our next mission. And that's our next mission. And the more we shift that mission, the closer we get, the more versions of that mission we accomplish, the closer we get to our vision and ultimately our purpose. But underneath all of that, right? If your team understands your values and can speak to those values and let those values inform their day-to-day contributions to the business. And if your clients are referencing your values during those conversations with them, either during sales calls or onboarding, or even during, I, I remember some of the times when we've heard some of our clients referencing some of the values and some of the things that we've talked about in like their own Facebook lives. And it's like, yes, they're getting it. They're resonating. It's right. That's when you know that you've actually started to act and call in the people who are in alignment with your culture and your values and your vision. Yeah. And for all of this to work, again, you have to know what those values are, but you also have to know how you put them in practice, right? You have to know what does it look like for someone to do a call with a client and be demonstrating these values? What does it look like for us to hire someone in a process that aligns with our values? What does it look like for us to pay people and be demonstrating our values? This process of saying how we do things should be an active representation of the values and the culture that we want to build. That's the question. And that's why, honestly, that's why I'm so proud of the work we do with our clients in the Academy and in the Leaders Institute, because that's where it all comes from, is how can you bake this stuff in to 
your operations and have culture be there by design rather than by default. And speaking of hiring, that's a whole other conversation, which we touched on, but I feel like we need another episode for that. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. So hiring is one of my favorite pieces, hiring and onboarding and bringing in new team members. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week is how these values influence the process of hiring your team and how putting those people first, putting your people, your employees, your team, including yourself first can grow your business. Yeah. So if you've been wondering about how you can build a more culture and values aligned team, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, that you're going to be listening to the next episode because that's what's coming down the pike. Until then, I'm Brianne Dick. She's Jill Giovinazzo from the unceded territory of the Qualicum First Nation. We're so glad that you've been joining us. We'll talk to you next time on the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brianne Dick and Jill Giovinazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag visionaryceopodcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.